Hello and welcome to Court Games, a podcast for the Legend of the Five Rings community, funded by the L5R Discord Patreon. This is a podcast regarding the RPG stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings, and we're happy to be here again. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And we have lots of news for you this week. First of all, we have a new fiction, Like Seeds on the Wind by Marie Brennan. This one has a point of view of Sato, a student of Kitsuki Shoman. So we've seen Kitsuki Shoman before. She was featured as the target of Yogo Hirue in Garden of Lies 1 and 2, which was a fiction a while back taking place in Ryoko Owari, I believe. He was assigned to seduce Kitsuki Shoman, or at least get information from her about Sato. Befriend. <laughs> Befriend. Yeah. Get into her confidence. Play his shamisen and look pretty and make her open up to him so he could say, do you support the perfect land? Bunch of heretics. Are you okay with them? And she said, no. And so, oh, right. I don't have to kill you. Right. So the reason that he was investigating her was that they knew her student was Sato, who is lieutenant in the perfect land sect. And Mm -hmm. they were concerned that Shoman was recruiting Hyman and Ryoko Awari for them. At the end of that story, in the Garden of Lies Part 2, Shishoro Miyako is sent by Yogo Hirue to infiltrate the Perfect Land sect. Then in a later story called Snow Unstun, both of these are by Maria Brennan, we follow Shishoro Miyako, disguised as Yuki, who is a Hyman woman of the Perfect Land set. There we meet Hige, who is the Perfect Land Sensei, who then appears later in this new story, Seeds of the Wind. We also meet Sato, as well as Ichiro, who are Hige's lieutenants in the sect, and they are samurai. And we learn in that story that Ichiro, who is the other lieutenant, is the son of Miramoto Mashige, the daimyo of the Miramoto, who was lost three years ago, and Mashige was in the first dragon uh, story, The Cresting Wave. Yeah, we learn that Ichiro has problems with his father, Masahige, over some hypocrisy that Ichiro thinks his father believes. And that's part of yes. why he's in the perfect land. But we, I don't think we know why just yet. Nope, that is part of the dragon's mystery. So in this story, we learn a lot about the perfect land sect general outline of the story is the Perfect Land set gets together and has a pep rally, and then they all get dispersed by samurai. That's the gist of it, but there's lots of information about what the Perfect Land sect believes and the source of its anger. So Sato at this point is a ronin, though obviously she was Dragon Clan. It looked like she was probably Dragon Clan at one point. She does fight with a Daisho. Yep. She was taught by um, Shoman, but Shoman does teach everybody, so there is a possibility she was yep. always a Ronin. We learn some terms that you might want to use for any games that you are running with a sect like the Perfect Land. I don't know if Sui Jindai is a term ever used in the real world. Sui Jindai, yeah. 
means the age of declining virtue. We learned that in Garden of Lies, but it is applicable here. The belief of the Perfect Land sect is that now in the current modern times of Rokugan, it is an age of declining virtue and the world is turning evil. And that's that's why things have arisen in, in the Perfect Land set. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why you need the Perfect Land sect. The world is descending into unpleasantness because people aren't being virtuous enough. Yes. And then there were a number of sutras. Yep, you have the single leaf sutra, which reminds us that the strength of a chain depends on its weakest link. Uh, you have the arrow sutra, which I think is like, it, it, it kind of ties in in a nice way with the kaito from the Phoenix Lands. But this is about, you know, the path mm-hmm. across the, the plain is easy, the path to the peak is hard, mm-hmm. but from only from the peak may we see far. Is that why dragons live on top of mountains? That is possibly why they do that. But, but that ties into a kaito thing where sometimes they go up to a, a top of a mountain and fire an arrow off. And where the arrow lands is where they're meant to go. I don't know if that's, if that's actually a link, but it, that, that, it kind of, that's a link I, I, I fear. The symbolism is shared. Yeah, yeah. And the actual chant of devotion is uh, Soshinikie, which can mean devotion to the little teacher, I think. There's also another meaning, but that's the the chant of the Perfect Land sect. And they believe that if you chant it with enough faith, then you will be reborn into the Perfect Land where you are free from all of the unpleasantness and distractions and vicissitudes of the mortal world, and thus you will be able to achieve enlightenment. Also, they tolerate no worship of the fortunes or the ancestors at all. So one of the things that happens in the uh, Snow and Sun is a test to see if you're really devoted to Shinsei in this fashion. And if you have any hint of fortunism left, then you're out of there. And they kill you. Yeah. Or at least very likely they kill you. So they're not quite uh, sweetness and light even in our terms. Yeah, they're not exactly pacifists, it must be said. And uh, certainly, as you get from, like, seeds on the wind, there are specific people who are very much not pacifists in the group. Right. There are a lot of ties between Perfect Land sect and, I'm sure, real-world inspiration, which is Pure Land Buddhism. Oh, yeah. Pure Land Buddhism has many, many variations, including some that were violent. Mm -hmm. There was one sect of Pure Land Buddhism that involved sticking people in a sack and beating them until they said the chant in order to save their souls. But the links between the two are quite pronounced. Pure Land Buddhism began 2nd century BCE in India. And then it was brought to China, then to Japan around the 6th century, yep. high-end period, along with everything else coming from China to Japan during that period. The essential practice of Pure Land Buddhism is the chanting of the name of Buddha with total concentration. Again, same as in Perfect Land idea, you will then be reborn in the Pure Land where it's much easier to work towards enlightenment. The key with that was that enlightenment could be found by anyone, even the un- illiterate and unlearned. Mm-hmm. And the origin of that sect was from a king who made a series of vows, including the vow that if I would become a a Buddha and those who follow me with faith and joy recite my name even just 10 times, then if they don't join me in my pure land, may I never be enlightened. And since he was enlightened, then this teaching must Mm. be true and therefore you can do it. One big difference between Pure Land and Perfect Land, which comes up in this fiction, like Seeds on the Wind, 
is that Hige reveals that he has managed to visit the perfect land. He has talked to Shinsei. And if enough of the, the perfect land sect believe strongly enough, then Shinsei himself will reappear. And that is very new and is specific to this fiction and it's specific to Hige. If you are an old 5R lore aficionado, it starts hinting of things like the coming of the thunders and Shinsei's return. And you could start thinking about how things could be linked together there. There's also a question about what is the difference between a faith and a cult? And what is the difference between someone who truly believes and someone who is advancing their own agenda? How much of this is the perfect land Shinseism and how much is this Hige? Right. But that's, that's a question we don't know the answer to just now. There was one last thing I want to mention was the title. Like Seeds on the Wind brings up the imagery of a dandelion. As the samurai disrupt this great gathering of peasants that they've had, all of those peasants are going to be fleeing in all directions. And they are going to be taking this with them. I would not be surprised if we see this cult spreading a lot further yeah. after this event. We also get some interesting background on what's going on with the Dragonlands with the declining population and that villages are being consolidated as they run out of people. The, the, the few remaining people in the village might be rounded up and said, right, now you live here because there just aren't enough people to support this village. And uh, that's caused some problems. Yes. Which is one of the one of the many things that has caused resentment of the samurai and the belief in the age of declining virtue. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in these three fictions, and they do make a series, which is very fascinating. If you were a GM who liked to pit your samurai against the hymen, then this cult is certainly a, a way to do it. <laughs> or, or some philosophical viewpoint. Another difference between. Perfect Land and Pure Land is Perfect Land is very specifically we believe in doing the right thing even if it's not necessarily Bushido. Yes. That's something that at least the two samurai members that we get to listen talking amongst themselves. And it's not like they say, yeah, you can just do anything and you don't have to be moral or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But this kind of, no, you must always do what's right isn't a big part of the dogma. I suspect it's like a general, don't be awful. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you believe, you do the chant, but yeah, and, and just, just generally don't be, don't be horrible. But it's, it's not like a, these are strict things that you must follow. So that's, that's an interesting aspect that, that is also slightly different. And that can be an interesting conflict you might want to put in with your players between someone saying, look, I'm going to do what is right, not necessarily what Bushido yes. tells me to do. I do find it interesting that Hige, the sensei of the Perfect Land sect, surrounds himself with samurai. Yeah. Despite everything, he he does the chores and and stuff, but his all of his lieutenants are samurai. Yeah, that is that is quite interesting. I'm also very interested in our viewpoint character. She Sato. Yes, right at the end, she's saying, "I'm going to do what's right no matter what, even if it means I might myself not get into the Perfect Land." And I have to say, if there if there is a thing that paves the road to hell, it's that. <laughs> there could be some interesting times ahead. She's she's definitely got uh, grander plans. So, other than this story, which we've told you all about, but definitely you need to read it rather than hearing us ramble us. 
Very, very recommended. <laughs> um, the link is in our show notes. Mm-hmm. We also have the Courts of Stone coming out soon. Yes, looking forward to that. That's uh, going to be a big source book, and it's very similar to Shadowlands in that it's uh, focused on a particular aspect, and then you get things dotted around that. So you've got uh, source book of castles, keeps, and courts. So apparently there's going to be an awful lot of interesting things in there. It's got rules for Shinobi. I'm not sure how they fit in, but we'll find out. And uh, lots of information regarding the Crane Clan. Now, if you want the rules for Shinobi, we do have a lot about Shinobi already mm-hmm. in the Scorpion Clan novel. Oh, the background of stuff, yeah. Has a lot about Shinobi, so I'm not sure what else they're going to put into a Quartz book, but I guess we'll see. Um, also, information on the Crane Clan uh, for each family, like we had for the Crab Clan. Mm-hmm. New schools, techniques, weapons, apparel, artifacts, cultural information. It's got pre-order artwork like the Shadowlands. Though, I did hear on Discord this week that the game stores have protested mm. pre-order exclusives that are steering work away from the game stores. Yeah, yeah. And said FFG didn't consider that and are looking at changing that in the future. So it might still be happening with this one, but uh, hopefully that will be moved to making it so that when you pre-order from the game store rather than just online, you'll be able to get that art. Absolutely. I mean, that that is absolutely what I would, I would love because that way you get the best of both worlds. Um, FFG get the definite someone's going to be buying this book for sure mm-hmm. and the game store gets someone coming buying stuff from them. And I think that's that's absolutely going to be the right thing that we need to be doing. Uh, Courts of Stone also has some sample keeps and castles with gorgeous maps because the maps have been lovely. Absolutely. Been, I'm just it's going to be worth getting just for those, I suspect. Uh, there's going to be some shuji and ninjutsu and rituals to play with, so new game mechanics. How to run and create a winter court, which I think a lot of people want to have some input on because in many ways yeah things like shadowlands it's like yeah you you got people going out hunting monsters we we all have experience with running games or or playing games when that happens but what do you do in a winter court and i think a lot of people really do kind of want some more guidelines on that Uh, there's going to be an accompanying rpg module winter's embrace which looks like it's going to be around uh, the Yoritomo of the mantis going I want to be a great clan. I mean, I want my clan to be a great clan, not just not just me. I mean, that would be silly. But could I could I be a great clan on my own? Uh, no, my whole clan, all of us. <laughs> that might be old Five R Yoritomo, not so much <laughs> the new guy. No, we've seen Yoritomo. We'll probably talk more about Yoritomo <laughs> yet, but I, I think he's just as ambitious, maybe less successful. Though there's, uh, I I don't know. If uh, the guys have noticed, but he cleans up a lot better for winter court than he is on the card smuggling deal. So, <laughs> Probably, so, yeah. so I know a certain segment of the community has definitely uh, noticed. I, I mean, I have to say, I, he's like I think he's only appeared in one, maybe two fictions thus far. Yes, um, and he, he seemed a lot less. Ugh, I don't know quite the word to a lot less bombastic, and a lot more like a reasonable human being in that than he did well, he, 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 he's he, still attacking the crane well, no no I mean he's still it's not like he's not a pirate but he, he's not he's not doing the kind of 90s drawn by Lob Liefeld kind of thing he, he is acting like 
someone who's got plans and has ambitions. You know. We shall we shall see about that. Um, there's a new minor clan. There was a lot in the Shadowlands mm. book on the Falcon, so I imagine there'll be a similar amount on the Deer Clan, which is completely new for yep. New Five R. Uh, it was a little disappointing to see that it made a new clan, so we'll have to see what it is. Because I kind of wanted the Sparrow, uh, if that was going to be a minor clan. I think the Sparrow are awesome. Sparrow Fox, yeah. because Hotaru is married to a Fox Clan samurai. Right. But like you say, uh, Sparrow would also be entirely appropriate, given the close links between the two. But yeah, the Deer Clan. But instead, we get the Deer. And they have supposedly supernatural foresight and help make or break treaties based on it. But uh, that seems an awful lot like the Atomo. I don't know why they need a supernatural seeing the future yep. clan when you already have Sapoon astrologers. Yep. And you have the Atomo making and breaking treaties for the sake of the emperor. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we'll have to see about that. It's just a preview. And it's just, it's, we've got like a mm-hmm. paragraph about them. That's literally all we have right now. But I have some questions that we're just going to have to see how it turns out. Because in like a minor clan doing this is just asking to get accidentally wiped out. Yeah. You know. Even even with the edict to, you know, no worrying on the minor clans, it's still... If, if you, you screw up a scorpion clan marriage... Oh dear, accidentally your entire clan ate the wrong mushrooms. How sad. Who could have possibly have foreseen this kind of thing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, we'll just have to see. Yeah, there's another clan that was mentioned in passing in the core book, which is the Cat Clan, which sounds exactly like the Shosura actors. That one makes more sense to me because, uh, you know, you don't want to necessarily declare that every ninja you find is a scorpion. Sure, but it's not just that they're ninja, is it they're doing the exact same ninja pretending to be actors thing. Yeah. I think a lot of people being to worry, are are these new minor clans treading on toes that they don't necessarily need? I I think that that might be possible. There's also a family among the Crane Mm. clan, uh, a vassal family that specializes in Gisha. Yeah. Um, as a source of intelligence. Uh, they're not spies per se. They're, they're geisha. Because um, somebody has to be the high quality geisha. And I think there's a possibility that the cat can ends up being a combination of more that aspect than the shisuro aspect. But they still have plenty of um, wall crawling. Yeah, but I'm worried about niche protection because that's, that's an important thing. But we will see. Maybe the Deer Clan aren't going to be mm-hmm. like what we're worried about. I mean, this this looks to be a must-buy, but it must be said, because we were saying the same things about Shadowlands. But it just so, ha- just so happens that uh, somebody here has bought the Shadowlands book. <laughs> yes, uh, it has been released in the United States. I am sending Envy waves. Envy, Envy. It's not out in the UK yet. <laughs> We we do uh, we won't do an entire breakdown of the book unless we run out of material because you know we still want you to go read it. There are some things that are different than we thought. One thing that's very important for the schools is that because um, we we were expecting like them all to be Shadowlands slash Maho slash monster hunting, but the the mix is really interesting. Right. There's the the Asako Inquisitors, 
they are courtier shigenja that can identify the previous use of supernatural abilities in an area. And they are Shadowlands mm-hmm. hunters, sort of, in, in the Empire, Maho hunters. Yeah. And the Moto Avengers are shigenja that can transfer fatigue between themselves and a target. So they can either give an enemy their fatigue mm. or they can take fatigue from an ally. Yeah, again, they're, they're, you can see they're a bit Shadowlandsy because they're based. They're, the Avengers tend to be related to the, the Dark Moto and Tum Tum. Yeah, so that makes sense. They do, though. They've mentioned that when they did the story write-up for the uh, Avengers, mm. they didn't talk about the Dark Moto. Ooh. They do mention the Dark Moto in another section of the book, but they are not specifically assigned to look for Dark Moto. They're almost more looking for other Gaijin magics. They don't have very much about any of the backgrounds of these schools, though. Um, the other schools that they have are not related to Shadowlands at all. Mm. They have Kisakita swordsmiths that are artisans courtiers, and they can apply two patterns to a weapon, and they start with a pattern. Now, a pattern is kind of like, in the core book, the templates Mm. for NPCs. Right. They are modifications, specific sets of modifications that you can put on a weapon. So the Kikita pattern adds plus one deadliness to a weapon. Right. Uh, most of the other patterns add something and take away something. Like they'll add a little damage and take away some uh, durability, things like that. There's a Kitsu Medic. I love this class. This is an artisan bushi that removes bonus pet fatigue from treating others, but I love it for healing. Um, they heal very, very well. And in New 5R, healing is less, but you often wonder how do those uh, giant lion armies stay up on the field? And that's how. And there's the Taos Blademasters, uh, Miramoto Taos Swordsmen, and they let them use Kiho that would normally only be able to use with unarmed attacks on their one-handed weapon attacks, and they get a lot of bonus successes. Basically, this guy's holding a sword and saying, I will fight you empty-handed. You've got a sword. It doesn't matter. It counts as empty-handed. Uh, yeah. Yes, and <laughs> these probably... The combination of Kiho and Kata and this thing makes these guys look like they will probably be monsters. Mm. No, they start off with the Ajitsu for starters. Yeah, yeah, that should be interesting. So they are very, very powerful Bushi. And we'll have to see... Exactly how they they play out. (laughs) (laughs) How they play out. Especially as they become more and more Kata and more and more Kiho. Uh, When you can use them together, it gets kind of interesting. We also get the the Yoga Preservers use this new thing called uh, Shikigami. I think they're new. Yes, they're Pokemon. Yeah, I, I would kind of ask the community to dial back on that one a little bit. Um, <laughs> but they're things that you make and they're spirits that you can summon. And you can get them to do things and you can get them to have invocations. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it looks really, really interesting. And, it's a, and the yoga preservers are particularly good at them. Yes, everybody else can have one, but they have a lot of them. Yes, but they're better at them. You get the Cooney Wardens. They are monks who can silence those within weapon range for, which is an interesting method of doing things. So I presume they're similar to the Cooney Witch Hunters. No, they aren't. They are 
so in the Shadowlands book, we learn that the uh, anybody who's tainted, who isn't going to you know cheerfully die on the wall, um, mm. or is too dangerous to allow to cheerfully die on the wall, is yeah. placed in a big, huge prison fortress called the Barracks of the Damned to live out whatever is left of their lives. And the Cooney Wardens are the wardens of this prison. Ah. They are not Shigenja, mm-hmm. but they are the people who keep the tainted crab on the inside, on the inside, <laughs> basically. So basically this technique, when I read it, gave me the image of somebody slapping two or three people at once and shutting them up. <laughs> They're not gentle wardens. And, uh, f- yeah, finally we get the, the Zatoritaka Phantom Hunter, who are Shikenji, who can spot otherworldly beings, and they're part of the Falcon Minor Clan. Um, <laughs> there's the built and Oni Workshop, which we do have. Really looking forward to playing with that. It's not very extensive. Okay. Uh, it is, is somewhat minimal. Uh, overall, reading the book... My feeling was that there was wonderful stuff about being on the wall. There's good stuff on patrols. There's a lot of stuff on being in the Shadowlands, inside the Shadowlands, digging, you know, what it's like there, all the horrible things that you'll see. Um, There is plenty on the Crab Clan. No history there are NPCs, but they're not the NPCs you kind of want to have, which are Hida Kasada and his kids. They don't have those NPCs. They do not have how the other clans interact with the Shadowlands right. at all. And I, I felt some disappointment about that, to be honest. I wanted to see more about how non-Crab clans interact with the Shadowlands. It is such an overwhelming part of... Rokugan, and it's not restricted to the wall. They even mention that it's not restricted yeah. to the wall, but they only talk about uh, Shadowlands in terms of Crab and Toritako. Yeah, because apart from the else, you've got people like the Daidoji Iron Warriors who spend time at the wall. There was no mention of them at all, which wow. is a little bit disappointed. There's no mention of Phoenix Inquisition and how that works, mm. uh, or the Kuriban, except in a very kind of roundabout way when they're talking about the Yogo taking care of you know, Black Scrolls. I think other clans have, have to do with the Shadowlands, even in old lore before the Scorpion Clan coup, and there's no mention of that in the history. Mm. So I think that was my biggest disappointment of the book, to be honest. Uh, meanwhile, there's also the Mask of the Oni Adventure. That's out now. So getting some reports back on that. I, I don't think either of us have really read it. I can't yet because it's not here in the UK and I'm not bitter about that in the slightest. Hopefully this week. For what we're hearing, the mask is heavy on survival, depending on the GM and player's preferences. It could also be middling to heavy on combat. It's middling on investigation and lightest on social. Yeah, we heard that from DJ Latterut, who was working on it. Which, which, so. which I think is actually a very interesting way of rating adventures, now I think about it. <laughs> we can have a little uh, color bar indicator. And there's also a DLC. So there's a downloadable Knotted Tales Tribe side quest for the Mask of the Oni. And I'm hearing it could, in theory, be kind of plugged into a lot of adventures. It could be like a little side quest. 
like you're on the way somewhere and then, wait, this person has an exclamation mark above their head. Let's go look at them. Um, <laughs> and so that's going to have some interesting things about Nezumi. In the Shadowlands book, there are three tribes of Nezumi spelled out and described with quite a bit of detail. Um, and this Knotted Tales gives us details on a fourth tribe. So, And they do mention a fifth tribe. So there's quite a few yep. uh, Nezumi tribes, despite the fact that they are rarely known outside of Crablands. So there you go. That's the, the news and views uh, today, because we kind of had to run through two source books today, because Shadowlands is out. So Shadowlands is out. Quartz of Stone is coming pretty soon. So we kind of had to talk about both of them. So I think we'll skip our discussion. Mm. I think we've kind of done our discussion. I think the discussion was was uh, Shadowlands, the book, and all that. Yes. So I think that's us. So that's it for this week. Uh, may the fortunes favor you. And until next time, keep your jade handy. <laughs>